Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Would you turn with me to the book of Joshua, please? We've been studying my favorite passages, a collection of 53 years of the words that Look, it's all the Word of God. I just happened to have some favorites over all these years. We started this series in studying the first chapter of the book of James. In the last two sessions, we've been studying the making of a true leader, looking at Joshua and his encounters with the Lord. By brief way of review, I want to remind you that all of you, every one of us, are called to grow up into a place of leadership somewhere. That may be your family, it may be your marriage, it may be with your children or grandchildren or in the community or in your business or in the church. It can be a variety of ways. We're looking at what makes a true leader. Remember this, that leadership is never demanded. It is always granted. And it is granted through service. If you demand leadership, you are not a leader. You're a dictator. Leaders are followed by grant. That is, people choose to follow true leadership. We looked at chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. How did Moses get to be where Moses is as the superstar of Judaism? What has God called him? The servant of the Lord. The greatest among you shall be your what? Servant. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Remember we talked about assistant is a bad word in our culture. It is a beautiful word to the Lord. There is something you can never get outside of it being transferred from somebody who's in a place of great leadership in your life. Things in the spirit are transferred in the realm of the natural So we better watch out where we receive leadership. We talked about how it wasn't always that way for Joshua. We found out in Numbers chapter 14 that the first time Joshua publicly stepped out for leadership, he and Caleb told the children of Israel a different different projection of the land of Canaan that all 12 of them had been to spy out. Ten of them said, it's a good land, but we can't have it. There are too many giants over there. It will devour us. Joshua stood up and said, we can do this. If God has granted it to us, we can do it. Remember last week? How did the people respond? Stone him with stones. We don't want to hear any more of this. 
Remember what we said last week? If God has called you into a place of leadership, sometimes those closest to you will be those who won't listen to what you have to say. For 40 years, Joshua had to stay with those who wouldn't listen to him, who wouldn't obey. Sometimes we need to understand that leadership is not always determined by results. Leadership is determined by faithfulness. In over 40 years, Joshua had to see those who had refused to listen to the word of the Lord die in the wilderness. How many of you know that sometimes those closest to you who wouldn't listen to your leadership are those you're going to have to walk out a journey of pain with until God brings them into a new season or he releases you, one of the two. Let me say that again. Sometimes you have to walk a journey of pain with those whose leaders who wouldn't recognize the truth of God's leadership through you. You're going to have to stay with them until God changes their season or until God releases you. That was a deep word for somebody today. Leadership is granted through faithfulness. Notice Joshua served under the covering of Moses. We found out the last two weeks in Numbers, and I won't go there, where God said to Moses, I want you to lay hands on Joshua, thereby affirming that there's something that you have that is transferring over to him so that the people will see and understand and grasp that leadership is being transferred into him. Can I ask you something? Are you under the right spiritual covering? The Bible says that not Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. Now that's saying something. He was the most humble man. That is, he had dealt with his own pride to such a degree that he was recognized as the most humble man in all the earth. Great leaders are humble men and women. They've dealt and continue to deal with their own pride and arrogance. He was humble in his heart, and yet he was looked at right next to God Almighty. Remember what the people of Israel said? When God said, I will cause you to, to, to prophesy, and, and you can all be priests, and the, and the people said, no, 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 we don't want to have an audience with you. Just speak to Moses and let him tell us what you've got to say. But notice this man was referred to as the most humble man in all the earth. He didn't use his power and influence. He didn't use his personality to dominate people. Nor did he use his resources to manipulate people. God gave that to me this week. i got to tell you again. A true leader, and that should be you, in your home, in your business, in your church, in your community. A true leader does not use your forceful personality to dominate people. Neither will you use your resources, your human resources, your financial resources, 
all the resources that you may have available to manipulate people to get your way. Moses humbled himself before God Almighty, and he was granted leadership because of his service and his humble spirit before the Lord as God spoke to him. That covering breaks the grip of pride. How many of you know if we'll walk under the right spiritual leadership and be open and honest and accountable, it'll cut the heart out of our pride. And it'll keep us from the danger of isolation. Remember this, when you get isolated, you become very attractive to the devil. Soon as you start getting isolated, you begin to send signals out of your own, your own soul that the, in, that the enemy begins to sniff and he begins to plot. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you stay in a place of isolation, can I tell you something? There are Christians today who are in a place of isolation. They go to church and all they want to do is be unrecognized. All they want to do is to go slip in, get a little excitement, come back out, and nobody knows them. Nobody sees their life. They don't have to make any kind of contribution to family or community. That is not New Testament church or Christianity. But you've got to invest something in relationships. God had me up all night long on Wednesday night. I don't do that very often. I woke up at 1.30 in the morning, and I was called by the Lord to pray all night long. I don't do that much at my age. I don't do that just because I think it's a good idea. I don't do that unless the Spirit won't let me go. And the Holy Spirit had me praying for you hour after hour after hour in the darkness that God would not only move and bless your life, that God would not only move in these services, but that God would create a spirit of family and community and love and unity here. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You cannot program that. Only the Spirit of God Working in a spirit of love inside the believer can do that. Joshua humbled himself. He stayed connected to spiritual leadership. He suffered. That earned him the right to be heard. Some of you people are not listening to uh, to you. How, How many of you know that eventually if people see you in enough pain, they will start listening to you at a level that you never thought they would listen to. Do you know there are people who will listen to me today who wouldn't have given me the time of day 12 years ago? I would have never signed up for this. But I want to remind you that your pain will eventually become your platform. And if grace, if you will allow God's grace to absolutely embrace you, and you'll walk your life out with that grace, then you will become irresistible to some, and it'll tear down the barriers that they have up against you right now. We found out last week as we read on that God said to to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. We talked at length about how at some point in your life your security is going to be removed. 
Did you know that? God knows what your security is. He knows what you're really depending on instead of Him. He knows if you're really depending on your assets, what you've got accumulated. He knows if you're really, you're really depending on who you know, where you've been, really depending on your educational prowess. God knows whether or not you're depending on favor at work. God knows what you're really depending on Him instead, depending on instead of Him. And at some point, He's going to remove it. Why? Because He's mean? No, but because he doesn't want you to put your security in something inferior. Only he is worthy of our security. So why don't you do what I did this week? And say, Lord, I want you to reveal to me if there's anything, consciously or subconsciously, that I have my security in besides you. Nothing is worthy of my security but you. Not my husband, not my wife, not my family, not my income, nothing. All of that is subject to change. Only God, His mighty love. Look, God loves you. He created you before. <laughs> he loved you before He even created you. He is your shepherd, you shall not want. He will meet all your needs according to His glory in Christ Jesus. Put your security in Him. I'll tell you something. If you'll do that, you'll eventually find out that He's got a better plan, a more prosperous plan, a more peaceful plan than you do hanging on to your little sources of security. He's eternal. He loves you. How many of you know that if the worst recession ever hits this country takes place in the next few months, how many of you know God's got that figured out and He knows how to get your resources to you? He's not sitting up there wondering, what am I going to do now? There is grace to more than enough get you through anything you have to walk through. We saw that God called Joshua he removed his security from him in the natural. And he told him to cross, go over the Jordan. If you're going to be a leader at some point, you're going to get an assignment that's way too big for you. How you get three million people across a river that's over flooded its bank, especially when those people don't have a very good track record of listening to leadership. How would you like that? Your assignment is always going to be bigger than you if you're going to be developed as a great leader. Something's going to be over your head. Notice what he says, every place, verse 3, that the sole of your foot will tread on, I've given you. We talked about last week how to take the authority of the Word of God in all your circumstances and situations. Notice he gives him boundaries. He didn't tell him, okay, the whole land is yours. Just go for it, man. Just go out there and start naming and claiming everything. You can't name and claim everything. If you, if you do, you're going to be deceived. You're to only claim what God names. If He names it, go ahead and claim it. But faith comes by hearing the Word of God, not by you imagining something and say, I think I'll take that. 
That's not faith. But if their promises, our problem is not so much that. It's that there's so many promises that are there that we don't lay hold of them most of the time. Notice, he said, I'm going to give you authority wherever the sole of your foot treads. Verse 3, I've given you. And then he gives him the boundaries. Remember this. God's authority only operates in the arena, in the area, in the territory where he has appointed you. Where has God appointed you? If in your inner man you feel like that to really obey God you have to fix it for everybody, then you're walking outside your territory. Jesus didn't even do that. There is no record whatsoever that Jesus got up every morning and say, Father, now I'm going to fix it for everybody that comes. He said, whatever I see my Father doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear my Father saying, that's what I, that's what I say. Are you listening? God didn't call you to fix everybody. Here's a question for you. Where are you so broken that you feel like that you have to fix everybody in order for God to accept you and be pleased with you. There is a brokenness deep in me and deep within you if somehow we feel like that everybody that comes across our path, we're supposed to fix them. Everybody say this with me. I cannot fix anybody. I can't even fix myself. God, help me to remember that. God didn't call you to be in control. He called you to partner with Him. God didn't call you to try to tell anybody else or be Lord in anybody else's life. Listen, God does not give control to you. He gives input to you. Input of love and grace and patience and affirmation and encouragement and intercession and, and investment. He gives you all of that, but not control. Don't hold yourself hostage by believing that it's your calling to fix somebody. And if they are broken, then you're to blame. Input is not the same as control. Here's something the Lord's shown me. Sometimes I try to fix it for people because I have a false sense of mission. Why do I try to fix people? Number one, the Lord told me, because you got a false sense of mission. You're taking on more responsibility than I gave you. In other words, get back in your territory. 
Number two, I try to fix it for people because I want to make it easier for me. See, if I can just fix it for you, then it'll be a lot easier for me because I got to walk with your struggles. Right? And if I could just fix it for you, then I wouldn't have to walk with your struggles. Can I tell you something? The way God does the most in your life and in my life is through covenant relationships. Relationships that are built on covenant that we made with God and other people. And I want you to know that that those covenant relationships will strip you bare. They'll wrestle you to the ground. They'll expose every weakness you have. But they'll also take you to a level of walking with the Lord and partnering with somebody else that you have never known before and can't know until you get that covenant relationship. Thank you for the one person who believes in that. <laughs> Your tip will come later. I've got it in my pocket. Some people try to fix it because they say, I just love them so much I'm compelled to fix it for them. How many of you know sometimes you got to do what Jesus did? Instead of fixing it, you're just going to have to walk with them through it. Can I tell you something? Sometimes there's a whole lot more glory to God and a whole lot more development of the person if you walk with them through it instead of fixing it for them. Now let's look at verse 5. That was all reviewed. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. Boy, what a statement was that. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You know what he's saying? Joshua, if you want to be a great leader, you've got to understand and practice my presence. I'm always right here. And right now, through me, you can do all things. No man will be able to stand before you. By the way, can I ask you a question? Who do you think it is today that's keeping you from having all that God wants you to have? Who is it? Think about it. Who is it that is keeping you from peace and joy and love and long-suffering all the fruits of the Spirit. Who is keeping you today from worship and prayer? Who is it that is blocking you? If you think it's another person, then you're deceived. Everybody say, it's me. Jesus never withdraws his presence from you, regardless of what you're going through. He is right here, 
right now. So tomorrow, when you have to walk through stuff, understand, Lord, you're right here right now. When you go to answer those calls you don't even want to hear, Lord, you are right here right now. Right here, right now, and no man will be able to keep me from having your best for me. You know, that's what God was telling Joshua. Nobody out there, all those ites, those Canaanites, Jebusites, Hittites, Amorites, none of those can keep you from having what I say is yours. There is no man that is able to keep you from having God's best. And the only one standing in your way is you. Remember, consciously walk in that. Lord, you will not leave me nor forsake me, and none of your covenant promises are up for grabs. Verse 6, be of good courage for to this people you shall divide an inheritance as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Great leaders obey God for the benefit not only of themselves but primarily for the benefit of other people. They help others share in their God-given inheritance. Let's look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous and observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded them. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Don't turn away from my word. Can I ask you something? In your practical life is the word of God final authority in your life. Is it final authority over what's going on in your body? Is the Word of God final authority over what's going on in your finances? Is the Word of God final authority over the people that you have to mingle with and associate with and those who seem like they're over you? Is the Word of God final authority in your life? Is the Word of God final authority in your relationships? Is there somebody you won't forgive? Is the Word of God final authority? Can I tell you something? If you want to be a great leader, a great spiritual leader, this cannot be up for a vote. The Word of God has to be final authority. The Word of God has to be final authority in my life. The Word of God has to be final authority in my work. Can I tell you something? The Word of God is the final authority. Not the United States government. Not the Supreme Court of the United States. The Word of God has to be final authority. This is not a democracy. The word, the kingdom of God does not operate as a democracy. It's not whether or not we vote whether this is right or this is wrong. Whether this is okay or this is not. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. 
It is ruled by the king. And what the king says, you don't have to agree, but that's the decree of the way the word of God and the kingdom of God works. You know good and well that this place is a hospital. This is a hospital. Part of our mission right here. Yes, our mission, our overarching mission is to coach champions in the kingdom. The way the kingdom operates. But this is a hospital. Hurting people flow in here. Sometimes when they get healed up, they flow out. Sometimes hurting people flow in here, and they get healed up, and they stay. This is home. The Spirit says, this is home. This is where I want you to operate in community. You know good and well that our main mission is not primarily all over the place. It is you are the mission. You are the mission, not me. You're not coming in here to help me get a good mission going. No, you're coming in here so I can help you fulfill your mission. You are the mission. What you got going on in your family, in your relationships, in your business, I am supposed to equip and encourage and intercede for you in your ministry. We don't have a program here. We got several visitors. We don't have a program here. There's one program, and I, I do it all the time. I'll call the guys together, I'll, and I'll say, okay, guys, here is our program. And they'll look at me like, finally, God told him something. Here's our program. We don't have one. Our only program is to seek the Lord and let Jesus direct our steps. I know that sounds like ignorance. to the, Look, I've been on five church staffs in my young life. I know how to do all that. It's just not the assignment or mission God has called me to. You know what I'm saying? The Word of God has to be final authority. The final standard, not a democracy. We've got to operate not under the law of the land is not the highest law. The law of the kingdom of God is. Are you listening to me? Oh, it's what the pastor thinks or how the elders decide. No, it's the Word of God. That's the standard. The written Word of God. Not up for grabs, not up for vote. It is the highest authority in the kingdom of God. But you know, the Word says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Let your light shine in the darkness. Can I tell you something? Our culture has gotten darker and darker and darker and gotten more and more away from the standard of righteousness. But you know something? Listen, you can focus on that if you want to. Here's where I'm focusing. We have an opportunity today
There's always greater opportunity when it's darkest to shine light. We got an opportunity to make a difference. Love all. We're all broken. Ask the Lord to help you to love. To not judge any man or any woman, but not to let the Word of God cease to be the standard of righteousness in your mind. Father, we thank you for your holy and mighty Word. We thank you that it is the standard of righteousness, but Father, we thank you that because of your grace, because of your mercy, the only reason any of us can really know you in all of our heart is because of your grace and mercy. And we pray that the love of God, the love of God, would prevail in our heart and in our fellowship. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, Amen. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.